All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Daily Dimensions podcast. I am your host, Smitty, back always with another one, man. This time I'm joined by close friend, good friend, my boy, Eric Sanchez. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome. Thank you for being here. It's good to be here. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, as we get started, you, where can people find you? Social media, any uh, websites, anything like that? Uh, not a website yet, although that's definitely something in the works. Um, but I'm on uh, Instagram. It's Eric Sankan. It's E-R-I-C-K and S-A-N-C-A-N. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Eric, getting straight into the interview, uh, one of the biggest things I wanted to talk about and what a lot of people may not know, but we know it, you know, is um, if you ever listen to the podcast and you started way back in the beginning with my mental health journey, because we're about what, as we're recording this, we're like 16 episodes in now, maybe 17. So um, if you listen to that, you know, and I was going through a lot, there were a lot of things happening, relationships, everything. There was a lot going on. And Eric was the first person to really reach out to me and ask me how I was doing. And he may not have known that till today when he sat down in his chair, <laughs> but uh, Eric was that first person. I remember I was on Facebook and I just was not feeling well. And, you know, I, I posted something like, oh, yeah, check up on your strong friends too mm-hmm. or something like that. that. And in like two seconds, Eric hit me up and it was like, yo, you want to hang out? We could do something. We could do this. We could do that. And the state I was in, I wasn't really trying to hang out with anybody, yeah. but I, I knew his heart was in the right place. And I was like, I really appreciated it because it, it meant everything to me. So I, I, I wanted to say thank you for that. I appreciate you for that. Just want to publicly just thank you. You know, that meant a lot to me, man. So, um, Bouncing off of that, is that just a piece of who you are? Have you always been that caring person that just, because a lot of people, you know, you see something like that on social media. A lot of people just like it, scroll past it, yeah. put the prayer hand emojis, right, and right, keep right, going. right. but you actually took the time <laughs> to really reach out to me. So like, is that a part of who you've always been? That's just your personality? No, I, I don't think so. I think I was, I used to be that, you know, prayer hands person or just like or whatever. Um, <laughs> But going through my own stuff, you know, everyone goes through their own stuff, and yeah. which is why I appreciate you starting this podcast and starting it with your, you know, the episode that you did for the first episode I thought was awesome. Um, making it okay to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But going through my own stuff and then uh, experiencing certain relationships, um, learning from those relationships, I um, saw the value in being open. And then the more open I was, even with strangers, I saw the reaction at people seeing how genuine I was Mm. and how honest I was. And so seeing that, I knew that if people were that way with me, then I would appreciate that. And so people taught me how to be that way and and experiences taught me that to be that way and sometimes you know it doesn't you know i don't get a, a positive reaction like i got with you like wow i really appreciate this yeah yeah um but that's not the point it's about you know being human and you know yeah. reaching out and i think a piece of that kind of rubbed off on me too because i i wasn't always that person like you i, I was you know i was the prayer oh, yeah. emoji oh, yeah. guy I like it and keep going and i think after that experience with you and then having my own experiences and everything that kind of happened after that, I'm definitely more the person now, like if I see somebody post something or like you're going through something, I'll be like, how can I pray for you? You know, can, do you want to talk? Can mm-hmm. I call you like what? And try and make myself available to that person. 
And I think that that's something that from that experience and my own experiences, I just see like I know for me how what you did made me feel and mm-hmm. how it made a difference. So I'm like, why can't I not do this for other people? Exactly. You know, you got to pay it forward. And I, I think that's something that's amazing about you and something that's definitely has sparked that in me. And I, I hope it sparks something in more people, you know, like for anyone who's listening, you know, if you see somebody who's going through something, whether you know them like personally on a deep level or like you were just acquaintances, you know, reach out to that person because it really does mean something. It means a lot to people. So reach out to that person and, and just show them that you care. Even if it's just, hey, I hope you feel better. It versus, doesn't cost anything. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's free. Yeah. And um, it's just something we need more people to do. We need more people to do that. You right. Know? right. Um, so transitioning just a little bit more about you. So music, you know, aside from being this caring person, like this person that you've grown into, you've also grown musically you know at, from from when i met you uh back at westcom man you were always i didn't know how good your voice was at first like mm-hmm. i would see you around and we would play pool and all that stuff and you'd be like oh yeah i sing too and i'm like okay like, yeah, right, <laughs> you know because right. at westcom there was a lot of people that sang mm-hmm. like even my freshman year living in litchfield there was a dude i forget it ruel that yeah. sang in the shower all the time so i'm like all right he sings everybody sings mm-hmm. but you sing <laughs> like yeah, man. when you walked in the house I told my brother I was like yeah no you got the voice of an angel man so um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as music is that something that you always wanted to do because I know like a lot of schools they pull music programs or kids would rather do sports or anything like that but loving music and singing you know is that something that you always cared about or did it just grow on you so I, I tried sports out like when I was in high school. I did not anything earlier than that. But when I was in high school, I, I gave sports a shot. I tried out for the football team and it didn't work out. Uh, I wrestled for a little <laughs> bit and, and that was cool, too. But I like had a lot of social anxiety. And so that, that team aspect was like really scary for me at the time. And wearing that leotard. <laughs> and, and that, too. And that, too. <laughs> um, but music like, you know, that's that's all me. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone is in my world versus me participating in other people's world when it comes to a team sport. Um, so high school is when, like, I knew I liked to sing, like, earlier, um, like, in middle school or even younger. I think my, my first uh, um, experiences with, like, R&B music, and that's, like, the first yeah. genre of music that I really fell in love with was uh, a cousin of mine had the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Okay. Listen to that album and I was Fire like, wow, album. this is unreal. And then I used to watch um Usher when he first like started when he was like young young and I was like, wow, like that's really cool. Um so that's when I started, but like I was still kind of experiencing that social anxiety. Mm. Didn't want people to hear me sing even though I liked it. And then in high school, a friend of mine heard me sing. She was like, oh you sound like you have a good voice. You should try for the choir. So then I tried out for the choir. Don't know what possessed me. Like what I didn't have any social anxiety then, but it just happened. So I auditioned for the choir and I got in, and then um, got into musical theater pretty much the same way, and that kind of snowballed. Um, and then it comes to like the the end of my uh, senior year, and I'm like, man, like. I don't really like school. Not really good at it. I'm yeah. barely making it through. But like, I really do love music. So I probably should go to college. I'll study music, I guess. So 
that was where that started. Gotcha. Okay. So two things I'm going to ask you. One is not really that serious, but it's serious to me. So you said you started listening to Usher, right, back in the day. And there's been a debate in this group chat I'm in, right? Mm. Usher or Chris Brown, <laughs> I need your opinion. <laughs> who who are you taking in a versus battle? Usher in a versus battle? In a versus battle. Even outside of, of R&B singing, just in music in general, Chris Brown is hard to beat. Yes. Chris Brown is hard to beat. Yes. Um, well, like just it. because his catalog is unbelievable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you put him against a lot of just artists like rappers or whatever. His catalog is is huge. Yeah. Um, Usher does have like timeless hits, but like then you get into like what audience you're or, you know you're hitting. Yeah. Like, are you people who grew up in the '80s, '90s, like they'll go for Usher all day, but then you get into '90s, 2000s, and now Chris Brown will smash almost anybody. Maybe not Drake. Like Drake will probably like yeah, that. Drake, that would be a good yeah. versus. But like anyone outside of them, like yeah, I don't know if anyone's beating Chris Brown. Eric, I knew you would. I knew I brought you on the show for a reason. <laughs> dog. I knew it. All right. So that was the one that wasn't important, but it was important to me. Okay. The other question that I wanted to ask. So you said when you tried out for the choir, that was in high school, right? Uh-huh. So when you tried out for choir, was that the first moment where you realized I can sing? Like I'm good at this? Or like when did you realize you were good? Because sometimes people like, I, I like to do this, but I don't know if I'm really good. Mm-hmm. Like I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. And like I knew I was good because I just was confident in myself, but I didn't know I was good until my senior year was over and I won an award. And like mm-hmm. that made me feel like, okay, I'm good. So at what moment in your singing life, your singing journey, did you were like, I'm here, like this is me, I can sing? That's tough. That's a really tough question because I knew I could sing probably late middle school, early high school. Cause I like I listened to listen to Usher all the time. Like that was my go-to, and I tried my very best to imitate the way he sang mm. all the time. Uh, early on, I couldn't do it, uh, but I tried every t- uh, every day, and it, I got better doing that. Um, but because of like the social anxiety, anxiety in general, uh, and then there's this thing called imposter syndrome. I don't know if you know about that. We don't, nah. have to, we don't have to go into that if you don't want to. But I definitely want to know what that is because I don't know what that is. So imposter <laughs> syndrome is it's this um, this thing that goes along with anxiety. It comes okay. from anxiety. Um, and it's this feeling of inadequacy no matter how much work you put in. Like I've, mm. I have two degrees in music. You know what yeah. I mean? And even to this day, there are times that like someone else will come along who maybe isn't as, you know, qualified on paper or um but like sings really well, I'll start to get that anxiety like man like Second they're going to they're going to think I'm a fraud like these two pieces of paper don't really mean anything. I didn't mm. put in that much work. I got lucky getting, you know, those two degrees and I start to doubt myself. Okay. Um okay. even though like I know what I'm talking about. Like I have two degrees for a reason like you put the work in. I put in the work. You know? I know what I know this stuff. But then you like that imposter syndrome, that anxiety plays tricks on you and it makes you think, well, maybe I'm not as good as I think. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the devil talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%, man. 100%. Um so it's hard. That that going back to that initial question. Yeah. I I knew I was good. I knew like when other people sang and they thought they were dope, like I thought like <laughs> 
I could sing circles around them. But then when it came to it, like, all right, let's hear you. No, because then I'm not going to sing because then I'm going to expose myself for not being as good as I think I am. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. But I knew I was good early high school. I think I've always been good and I and I think I'm really good now. But it's hard to say because of that. Yeah. Know? So like, were you that kid like at every family function? They were like, Eric, come sing. <laughs> Did they do you like that? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that that was yeah that oh, that was my family, <laughs> but because of that, you know, the stuff that we just talked about, yeah. it, I was like, mm, occasionally I, I might. At, the older I got, I would be more likely to do it because I was more confident in myself. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. But early on, there was I was like, there's no way I'm doing. I that. could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned something new with that imposter syndrome. Like I feel like I've known the definition, mm-hmm. but I never knew the word. I think a lot of people experience yeah. it daily. They just don't know that it's called that. Yeah, and I feel like once you figure out what something is called, you know, it's easier to work towards correcting it or overcoming it or fighting against it. Like, I never, I've always, I never knew what anxiety felt like. Right. Right? Until I felt it. And then I was like, yo, why do I feel this way? And then I was like, oh, this is anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, right. Wow, this sucks. Like, I never felt it before. So now... That whole imposter syndrome thing, I feel like that's something that everybody has felt at some point. Like, no matter how good you are at something. Unless you're unbelievably hockey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, you probably might still right. feel something, you know. Yeah. But um, it, just having that definition and being able to work towards fighting against something. Like, even um, someone in my family, you know, I won't say which relative because they're probably going to listen to this. Mm-hmm. But... They recently just ex- was able to define what they were feeling as anxiety for the first time, you know, and this is like later, later in life, like, you know, and they, they said, like, you know, when I was growing up, we, we didn't use the word anxiety. You just was like, you know, you were stressed out or something. Was, yeah, you were spooked you or know, something. You, yeah, you were spooked. You know, you felt a wave. So um, but now that they know this, they're taking the steps like they even asked me. They was like, well, Jordan. How do you deal with it? Right. That felt amazing to me because it's like, wow, I can really like help this person, especially it being a family member. Because a lot of times in families, you don't really talk too much yeah. about things like that or like how you're really feeling. You know, that's that's like something that families don't always often do. It's, it's, it's awkward, especially yeah. if it's about the person you're talking to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It could be tough. It could definitely be tough. But um, seeing that that's something that you face in music. Are there steps that you take to try and push through that, you know, even now as your music journey continues? Yeah. uh, I think, like, the the inner monologue that I have, Mm. um, kind of making sure I speak positivity into myself and outwardly, you know what I mean? Um kind of makes you start to believe it more and more Uh, i still experience it um even to this day i'll get you know every day that i'm singing whether it's in church or in the lessons that i give when i um sing or give um uh, when i demonstrate yeah um i'll get people saying like wow that was so amazing you are unbelievable you should be on broadway like you really helped me like you don't you have no idea how much you know you do for me Mm. and then that that imposter syndrome plays in my head where it's like yeah but they don't really know anything about music you know what i'm saying i always make an excuse for why i'm not good trying to justify you know what i mean so i think you just have to believe people for for what 
they put out and you have to believe positivity that you that you live right mm. and and maybe like if i weren't a very good singer and i i spoke that positivity um and made myself believe i was good um i guess that's that's all that matters even if one day you realize like maybe i'm not that good it, it doesn't matter as long as you're loving what you're doing and and speaking positivity so i think that's my biggest hurdle is just mm. believing when people say it um Believing that what they're hearing is it's is legit. good is yeah, legit. It's, 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 they mean what they say. And like, there are people who aren't very good at what they do, whether it's music or what, otherwise, mm. who think I'm amazing at this, and they end up doing really cool stuff, even if they're like subpar. And for pe- there are people who are really good who have that anxiety, who don't end up doing a lot for themselves. Because of that anxiety, yeah, and so I think, that. no matter what, just just believe it. Even if it doesn't end up being true, just believe it. Because what's the harm? Yeah, there's really not much harm in believing something positive. And the, the crazy thing about it too is that we'll believe something somebody says negatively about us way faster than we'll believe something positive. Like if I come to you and I'm like, "Oh yeah, Eric, you're looking good today." You're like, oh, "Well, no, I had a donut earlier, so, right. you know, something like that." Right. But if I'm like Eric, you don't look good. Like you're gaining weight. You'd be like, "Oh man, dang, for real!" And yeah. like that'll stick with you all day, right. <laughs> you know. And um, it's it's just crazy. Uh, do you remember Tyler Harris from Westcon? Sounds familiar. He was um he was on one of our earliest episodes. I think he might have been the first guest or the second guest I had on the show. But um, which what was the context? Because I, I listened. To it every... was the episode "Passion to Purpose." Yes. He became a pastor. Yep. 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 Okay. He was so. the one on your football team who was really arrogant and then he like, <laughs> he he got he got into church and now he's a uh really heavy in his church, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was a cool episode. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Um, but he called me the other day and he said something that really stood out to me. And I think it applies directly to the situation where he said, um, because he was talking about me and his podcast and like how is this is my gift. You know, and he was saying Sometimes when you're the person with the gift, you don't realize just how big your impact is on other people Mm. or just how gifted you might be because you're the one with the gift. And I think that that applies to you with your musical talent. That's cool. Because you're the one with the gift. You may not see it the same way as someone who doesn't have that gift. You know, like. Neither one of I don't know. Well, you you did musical theater. You probably can't act. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say neither one of us can act. But like, we're not Denzel, right? And you could look at a Denzel performance and be like, man, that was amazing. And Denzel might be like, eh, I mean, it was all right, right you know. Right. But even to this day, everyone's quoting Training Day like it came out last week, <laughs> you know. So it's when you don't have the gift you really appreciate how gifted that other person is mm. versus when you have it, it's like, well, well, I mean, it just, this is just me, you know, this is just it. You know, you don't, you don't right. realize how big it is. And I think that's definitely you and your situation. Man. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure I've seen, you know, uh, cause you also give lessons and your students are getting accepted into these music schools, man. Yeah. Huge. You know, um, what school did the most recent one get accepted to? I know it was something, something Yeah, big. one of my students just got into NYU. She got into Berkeley. Um, Shout out to her. Yeah, she, I, <laughs> it's it's so cool. Like, we, we put in a lot of hard work, and she, she definitely deserves it. And that was a cool story, too, when she found out. Um, or, like, when she auditioned. Mm. Um, 
Was it like a virtual audition? Or yeah. You, is, yeah. Okay. Well, she we took videos of uh, the songs that we had to prepare, mm. and we sent them in, and that got her like through the door. Um, and then she had a virtual um, interview, and in the interview, she had to um, read music on the spot. She had to sight read, mm. um, which is you have a piece of music, and they give you the first note, and then you just got to figure it out. Um, and so the way that I teach my students, um, I don't just teach my students um, just how to sing well. I want them to be smart singers because there's something really valuable in being an educated musician versus just being a vocalist, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the way I teach them, my students sight reading, I teach them one of the more difficult ways to, to uh, sight read. Um, that way when they have examples like this, when they uh, are in a competition or um, auditioning for a school or whatever, um, it's likely they'll have it. They'll have an easier yeah. time than someone who... It'll come more natural. Right. Um, and I knew from the story that she told me uh, that when... when I knew that the... the, the people interviewing her were impressed even though that she she didn't feel that way she she has no context to know how good she really is Uh um and she was like yeah well hopefully i get in kind of that that anxiety right Mm -hmm. yeah and then i was like to be honest i'd be surprised if they didn't take you but we'll see and then she got in awesome and then i have another student who got into clemson who got into uh school in virginia like it's an awesome feeling so, so with these lessons, how how many students do you have? Like, how do people get in contact with you for these lessons? Uh, do they just hit you up on Instagram, or like, what's the process like? Well, a lot of times, um, I'm I've been teaching like high school, mainly high school, a couple of middle school students, um, some adults. Uh, a lot of times, like the parents talk, and it's a lot of word of mouth. Mm. Um, people will hit me up through Facebook. Or Instagram, or they'll get my number from someone or email, um, and it just keeps growing from there. Yeah, I think I have something like ten or eleven students right now, which is awesome. That ain't bad, especially in the whole pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it first hit, man, <laughs> it was rough. Ooh, it was rough. Yeah, um, but yeah, the studios is is big right now. Hoping to to get it even bigger. Um, and then hopefully eventually start maybe my uh, like a music school of my own. I think you could definitely do it, man. Mm-hmm. You got the knowledge base, you got the talent, you got the drive, and you're already building the connections. So exactly, I just, when it happens, I'll be there at the grand opening, man. It's, yes, it's, it's coming. We gotta speak it into existence, yes. you know. Uh, and you spoke earlier about uh, you have two degrees in music. Yes. So now, I was there for the first one, but the second one, where where did you go to school and and what was that experience like? So I went to LSU which is Louisiana State University. Um, and that that was super different than anything I've ever experienced before because I like at that point in my life I didn't I didn't travel much. Yeah. Um so all I really knew was like Connecticut. You know what I mean? Mm. Um and so when the opportunity came, actually what happened was I auditioned for a school in Massachusetts wanting to stay close to home and that's the only school I auditioned to because I was like at that point a little full of myself 
<laughs> and I thought, I'm going to get in. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get in. Yeah. It's, it's a sure thing. Right. And then I didn't. Yikes. And it was, yeah. <laughs> got humbled real oh fast. Oh, my gosh, man. Super fast. I thought, well, my life is over. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, clearly I suck. Um, but then I, I got the opportunity to, opportunity to do a last minute audition um, for LSU because I um, worked with a, a teacher there at a, at a summer program at one point. <clears throat> and I ended up getting in. Yeah. Um, and that was huge because I then they offered me a full scholarship, which was awesome. Um, it was a, a change of scenery, which I th- I think at the time I really needed. Uh, I was a huge football fan and a huge LSU fan, so I was like, I have to go. You just happen to already be an LSU fan. I I like I knew I liked football, but I I didn't really watch that much. Mm. Um, but I think it was like 2011 or 2010 or something like that when they won a championship. And I remember seeing that and like, wow, like that team looks awesome. Yeah. I think I'm really into that. And I love that team. And then I didn't pay too much attention to them. And then, you know, a couple of years later I go to LSU and I'm like, or I get the offer and I'm like, I need to go. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Is, I gotta go. Yeah. Were you there when they won the most recent national championship? You weren't there at that time? No, I went, um... From 2014 to 2016. Okay. Um, that was when Leonard Fournette and Jamal Adams was there. The GOAT. Jamal Adams is nasty, man. He That's is. my boy. He is. Man. Okay. Um, so with that whole, um, you not getting into the first school, the school in Massachusetts. Yeah. But was it that music was still your passion enough? Was it still your dream enough that you, you didn't want to give up on it? You just wanted to like, I have to find a way to make this work? Music was like all I knew. Music was like yeah. my identity. You know what I mean? Mm. And so to have that like smack in my face, it was, it like shook me for sure. And I thought like this could be over or I could keep pushing because like this is what I know. This is what I am. And I know even if they didn't want me, I'll make them, one, I'll make them regret it. <laughs> and two, I know that even if I'm not good enough now that I have the the potential to be like on top. Mm. Um, and so when I got that, when I had that kind of narrative going on, I I thought, okay, I let me keep pushing. I can't just give up. So that's where LSU came into the picture. So now you said too at the moment, like music was your identity. Music was all you knew. Yeah. Do you still feel like music is your identity, or do you feel like there's more size to Eric now? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, th- I had like a, I wouldn't say a, like a, a crisis. Um. But I had a moment where I thought, like, man, like, if I didn't have music, if I couldn't sing anymore, if I had, like, some crazy injury where, yeah. I, where I couldn't sing, like, who am I? Who's Eric? Like, what is my identity? Like, because music could be gone. Um, so, this is, I mean, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but uh, at that point I thought, well, if I didn't have music, I know that to my core, I'm a good person. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm a helpful person, a thoughtful person, an empathetic person. And so if I didn't have music, my identity would be that I'm a good person. That's what makes me me. Mm. Um, and it just so happens that I don't have an injury that, you know, that's <laughs> going to end that, that my career. <laughs> it's so, so music is the flavor, mm. but the identity is the good person. That's okay. the way I like to see it. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good shift because I feel like, um, our identities shouldn't be caught up so much in like what our talent is. Right. You know, because like you said, if your talent all of a sudden is gone, you know, like 
athletes who get an injury, you mm-hmm. know, or you know, let's say you're a politician and you're just a good speaker and all these things and you end up in a scandal. Like, you know, everything, anything like that can be yanked from under you. A talent can be yanked away, but who you are as a person, that's you forever. So you like experiencing that and like I guess you we call it a cri- I feel like those mid 20s crisis late 20s crisis mm. are normal now <laughs> yeah I think so I feel like man. they're normal now I feel like everybody's had them uh, yeah they're still having them well, uh, well this is gonna sound wrong but like I hope that they're having happening yeah. to more people than just me <laughs> so that I don't feel you know nah, you're not alone you're yeah. not alone man I feel like everybody's having it but um no nah, it's good that you came to that realization because a lot of people will have that crisis like who am I what am I doing and will not find the answer. And then like a couple weeks later, a couple months later, they'll have that crisis again. Who am I? What am I doing? And, you know, start doubling back to before. When you get that answer, you have to believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, there's another person that I talk to all the time and they struggle with that identity piece so much. Like they'll there'll be a million reasons saying why they're qualified to do what they do and why they're good at what they do. And so much evidence in front of them, and they just won't believe it. Mm. You know, it's that, what is it, imposter syndrome, like you were saying? They just won't believe it. And I've tried my best to try and make them believe it, but until they believe it and receive it for themselves, it's like there's not much more I can do for that. You know? I'll have to send you some information on, because on, I can't remember off the top of my head, but like how to cope with that so yeah. that you can get over that. I'll send you some information. Definitely send me that, man. Yeah. Definitely yeah. send me that. Um, But yeah, so as far as... The future holds. You know, you say you want to open up a music school. Yeah. Is there anything else that you're looking to do or like any steps that you're trying to take towards that? Yeah. 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 Um, Having the studio that I have is great and it growing is is great because eventually I'll be able to not only either raise my price so that numbers is going up. (laughs) Right. Or, um, you know, take on more students and, and say, like, I can't take any more. Um, and when I get to that point, then I find a spot and I, I've been scoping out some spots here and there already. Um, and I used to work at, at school of rock. It's not just a movie. Um, really? yeah, it's, okay, not, yeah. it's a place. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just a movie. Yeah. Right. All right. It's, it's, so it actually started as a school first, like oh. the school of rock franchise where people learn to play music existed first. And then it was a movie, and then it was a Broadway play. Huh. So yeah. a movie and a play probably brought in way more business for the actors. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Genius. <laughs> um, so I used to work at School of Rock in Ridgefield. There's one in New Canaan. There might be one in Bridgeport. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I used to work there, and I told myself, um, I'm going to work here for a year, and hopefully after I'm done, I'm going to leave, and hopefully... Um, I'll have some students who follow me. Yeah. Because at the time I was working like 30 hours a week. Um, and it doesn't seem like much, but like when you're constantly using your voice, yeah, it's, it's it can a be a lot. Yeah. Um, and especially <clears throat> in that setting, like with that genre of music mm. and with the age of kids that you work with, um, they need a lot of help. So I was working like 30 hours a week, 30 plus hours a week and I did the math and it turned out that if I had three students follow me mm. for and it had and I taught them an hour a week each just three hours a week of work it would be the same amount really? of pay as what you were doing for 30 hours yes 
And I thought, that's ridiculous. That's insane. It's insane. And so I had to do it. And so when I left, two students followed me, which was good enough. And then word of mouth and all that and building yeah. my, my reputation um, helped that. Um, so then once uh, working there, like seeing the business model there, um, I know generally what I would need to do to start like yeah. my own music school like that. And then, you know, hiring instructors in, you know, guitar or bass or, or trumpet or voice mm. or piano or whatever. Hiring instructors, um, eventually hiring a general manager uh, to handle everything, and then eventually not having to work. Yeah, not even having to be there. Yes. Just put that, it on autopilot. That's the goal. And hopefully that's the five-year goal. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's super possible, especially with where I'm at now. Um, I mean, 10, 11 students, you definitely, yeah. from the two to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now that I have students getting into colleges and good colleges, um, and once I get my website going, then I think it'll it'll be huge. You're definitely on the rise, man. Yeah. Definitely on the rise. I like that. And I like that you recognize early enough that, like, this 30 hours a week wasn't it. Like <laughs> this wasn't it, and that this a lot of people don't even think about that. But the fact that three hours of your time you can make the same amount of money as thirty hours of your time, so you got back twenty seven hours a week of your life back. It was crazy, like a hundred hours a month Ooh. of your life back. Just like that alone, that mm-hmm. time because I and I was talking to my family group chat this morning. Like we were talking about time and like. Money isn't everything. Everything like money is cool. Like it's it's good to be able to afford these things, but you don't get time back. And mm. if you spend it all working for money just to pay your bills, and then you don't ever like have a life outside of that, right. it sucks. So the fact that you were able to make that work, you know, and that you weren't. Well, let me not say that you weren't. That you took that step in spite of what could have happened because potentially nobody could have fallen. Exactly. It was a huge <laughs> risk. It was a big risk. Mm-hmm. Potent- so I don't know if there was any fear involved in that. There, there was a lot of fear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> thought, like, if, if no one follows me, like, I'm not going to be able to pay my, my student loans. I, I yeah. it, was, it was definitely scary, but I just, I you have to take the risk. Mm. Because if you just let yourself be comfortable, then the life that you want just won't ever happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, comfort kills a lot of dreams. Man. Oh my God. Comfort, I think is like the killer. Yeah. Um, and I, and again, I still experience that now. Like it's, I love what I do. I love giving lessons. I love the idea that I have to start a music school, but that wasn't, you know, the initial goal. Yeah. Um, it was either to be on Broadway, which is still a possibility. Uh, it was, or maybe to be at the Met singing opera, which is still a possibility, or doing a solo career, um, it, with like pop music, mm. um, which is still a possibility. But again, like that imposter syndrome, that comfort, yeah, having to pay your bills, like like, it's a huge, you know, deterrent, yeah, from from taking that risk and following your dreams. Um, I feel like bills is like one of the top deterrents, man. To a lot, I feel like there's a lot of people that want to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it's like, well, then how am I going to pay my bills? Or like, yeah. What am I going to do financially? But, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of it too is you just got to take that that risk, that first step. Because once you take that first step, you don't have a choice but to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you took that step to leave where you were at, you know, it's, it, I don't think you would have had the chance to go back like, hey, guys, 
I'm sorry, take me yeah. back, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you you had to find a way to make it work, and yeah. you did, and, you, and you're, you're thriving, you're doing your thing, and mm-hmm. I'm proud of you, man. I'm definitely proud of you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, is there anything that you would tell a younger Eric Ooh. that you, you wish you knew before that you know now? Um, surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm. That's um, a big one. Yeah, because it, it's something that I learned late, later. Like, I'm, it's, I'm not old or anything. Yeah, so, no, we're young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but if I had known that, it would have done a lot for me. But again, I had that, you know, social anxiety. But mm. there was this, this um, when I was at LSU, there was someone who was studying to get her graduate degree. And she was 36 at the time. And she had been a teacher for a long time. And she was just getting the degree to, like, maybe teach at a, a university. Yeah. And um, she actually coincidentally used to work in Greenwich. Wow. And okay. then she small like, world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, she brought her husband down who was, I think 40 at the time. And I like kind of latched onto him because I liked his energy. And so we hung out a lot. Um, and there's, there's not a lot of people I've ever met who had more confidence and more comfort meeting new people and speaking to new people. So whenever mm. I was there, Around him, I thought, I want to be like that. Can I be like that? Yeah, I can be like that. What do I have to do to be like that? And so then I kind of like adopted some of those mannerisms and then eventually it became me. And now I'm super confident talking to people. If someone said, hey, you're a singer, you should sing for me something right now. I'll do it because of that confidence I learned from him. And I think if I had when I was in high school, younger Eric, maybe not necessarily um, had that confidence right away, but just being around people who were into music or whatever and just being confident, eventually I, I would have taken that. You would have gotten it. Yeah. But that I, I was kind of a loner in high school. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I was just like, go to school and go home and just do my own thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's what I would say. Like, Find the people who make you happy and spend as much time with them as possible. Don't don't just go home and just be by yourself. Like be, Surround yourself with people who you want to be like because then eventually you will be like them. So do you feel like that's something that you're definitely putting into practice now? Surrounding oh, yeah. yourself with oh, better yeah. people? I, I am, especially now in my life, I am very quick to cut out <laughs> any negativity. No time any, for it. Any toxicity. Anytime someone shows me even a little bit of that sign, it's done. Mm. I've done that with family recently. Uh, and it's, it's tough. tough when it's, family. it's been it's been tough, but it's helped me now and I know that down the road um if family is meant to be in my life in that capacity, then they'll find a way to not be toxic. If yeah. they can't, then they can't. You know what I mean? Like you have to do what you can for your own happiness. Yeah. Um Prioritizing yourself sometimes is, is a tough thing to do. Yeah. You don't want to feel selfish or you don't want to feel like you're being that guy. But mm-hmm. sometimes you have to come across like that to prioritize yourself. You know, your own happiness, your own mm-hmm. focus, the things you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. you know. And like you were saying, just 
cutting out negative people. You know, that's something that I've I've had to do in my own life. Because yeah. you ever just be around somebody, and every time you're around them, there's just this cloud of negativity that follows them. Whether like yeah, <laughs> if, whether it's complaining about work or, or yeah, talking about people that don't make them happy. Something's always wrong. Yeah, yeah. So like people like that, I've learned to either keep them at a really far distance. Like uh, what in a Grinch stole Christmas in that song, and it was like a ten in a million half foot pole or whatever the distance was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those, like, I w- <laughs> like that's how far you gotta keep them, and like because the people like that, like you said, when you surround yourself with better people, you become like them. It's the same too when you surround yourself with negative people. Yeah, the more you're around that negativity, eventually it just pulls your spirit down, man. It does, and that's not to say like I don't want to say better people. Yeah, let's not use the word better. Yeah, different minded people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, and that's also not to say that those people that you had to cut out in that moment can't change or can't do something different, serve a different purpose for you later mm. um, on, and have a, a a place in your life. Um, but if you just let those people stay in your life just because they're family or because you've known them forever, then it ends up doing more damage than if you just cut them out and yeah. revisit that later. Yeah, sometimes you just got ripped the band-aid off, man. Yeah. <laughs> it is tough, but it's I've seen it's for the better. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. And then uh the last thing I want to ask you is um moving forward, right? So you have the music, you know, you 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 want to open a school and 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 things like that. Um when can we expect the website? Is that something that you're actively working on now? Is that one of those things you got to like kick yourself? I have to kick myself <laughs> to, to make I have to, do I, it because I'm not very tech savvy, and so and it's one of those things where like you know you have to do it, so you sit in front of your computer yeah for like five hours and don't do anything. Um, so it's it's one of those things I either just got to kick myself or be okay spending money hiring someone. Like mm. sometimes like. It's it's scary to spend money, but sometimes you have to. It's that risk. Spend money to make money. Yeah. So, and there are people who are good at what they do. Like, pay them. True, true. And if we've learned anything today, behind the scenes of this, if you're gonna <laughs> spend money, always get the protection plan. <laughs> always get the protection plan. That's right. Oh, um, and then the final thing. Final thing. Um leaving this podcast, leaving this episode and moving forward for anyone listening to this, what is one thing that you would want them to take away from you? One piece of advice, one thing that you've learned that you just want to drop on them real quick. Um, I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help Mm. when you don't know something. Especially when you're you're afraid that you'll come off either less than smart or they're not going to want to help you. A lot more times than not, people are going to want to help you because they were there too and they needed help. Yeah. Um, so don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you do find the people who do help you, those are the people you need to surround yourself with. That's a fact. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Eric, thank you again for coming on the show, man. It's my pleasure. Uh, your social media again, where people can find you if they want lessons or they just want to hear your beautiful voice. <laughs> um, so I'm on Instagram. That's basically where I, I post uh, most of my singing videos. Um, mm-hmm. But also you could reach me there. So it's Eric Sankan. It's E R I C K S A N C A N. 
right, all right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, man. Yeah. I really appreciate you. Thank you for blessing us with these gems, man. And for everyone listening, until next time, I appreciate your support. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on Apple. Go and rate us five stars. Leave a review. Help boost us up. I'm trying to crack the top 100, man. I've been looking at the top 100 uh, mental health uh, charts, and I looked at number 100. I'm not going to say who number 100 is, but I went and listened. I feel like we could we could take that. Oh, we'll get spot. there. We could take we'll that spot. There. We could take that spot. So uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And until next time, peace.